Awesome. Great job. So I don't know what you were expecting for Christmas this year, but two weekends of snow was not on my list. I used to get ulcers about this kind of stuff because of the financial implications of what happens when you can't do church. Yeah, we just kind of rolled through it this year a little bit more. I think I'm learning it's God's deal. You can't add, you can't take away from it. You might as well just get with the program. But I was definitely not expecting this. I was not expecting something else. We had a Christmas party a couple of weeks ago for our staff, and I was not expecting this picture to show up on the table, tent tables. <laughs> Somebody got a little happy with uh, Photoshop, and I was not expecting to look that good in tights either, you know? I need to try that sometime. We've been doing a whole series called Expecting, and I'm going to share something. My wife, Laurel, loves to be prepared. When we were expecting our first child, she had our nursery ready to go months in advance. The crib was assembled, a rocking chair had been purchased, the changing table had stacks of diapers already according to size. There were tiny jars of food placed strategically on shelves all over our house. Laurel was so excited that she was expecting she would sprinkle baby powder in the carpet of the nursery and then vacuum it up so that it smelled like baby early. We were ready. I mean, we were prepared because after all, we were expecting. Now, the truth is, Laurel did a way better job at expecting than I did. I had not grown up around babies. They were a bit of a mystery to me. One of the only things that I knew about babies is that whatever you put into a baby at some point was coming back out again, and that didn't sound like a very good deal for me. I also knew that babies cried a lot. Not that I had a problem with that because I cry a lot, but it's not the same thing, okay? Well, one morning I'm working at church, and Laurel calls me and she says, something is going on. You need to come home. So I delegated my responsibilities as quickly as I could. I grabbed Laurel. We went to the hospital, little hospital in Steinbach, Manitoba. And from the second we walked in the door, I had very high expectations. Some of them were met. Some of them were not. I expected that the doctor would be with us the entire time my wife was in labor. He was not. He showed up in the final five minutes to close the deal, and I paid for his Cabo vacation. Basically, that's how it worked. I thought that the whole process would be easier and smoother than it actually was. It wasn't, and I wasn't even on the hard end of the deal. I thought the whole world was going to grind to a stop because, after all, the fish books were having a baby. The world just continued to go on as exactly, you know, the way it was. I thought... My wife was tough. She exceeded every expectation that I had when it came to toughness. I mean, she worked so unbelievably hard, and then they handed me what they said was a baby. And I don't know why I expected this, but I did. I expected a nice, clean, well-shaped, well-mannered child. That's what I expected. What I got was a slimy, screaming, bluish little creature with an incredible cone head. Both of our kids had cone heads. Okay? No word of a lie. The nurse looked at Braden and said, oh dear. <laughs> That's not good. She even put a little hat on the top of his head, which proceeded to kind of slowly slide up until it popped right off of the top. I mean, my first question as a dad was not, how's my wife? Or is the baby healthy? My first question was, 
is, is it going to stay like that? Like, can we round that up somehow? I had expectations of fatherhood because I had waited my entire life to be a dad. And I can tell you, being a dad has exceeded every expectation that I ever created in my mind. Sitting in front of this almost finished nursery that, that we've been working on through this whole series called Expecting that will be done on Christmas Eve, it just reminds me about what our life was like when we were expecting a baby. Throughout this Christmas season, we've been talking about expectations because expectations play a huge part in Christmas. And our challenge for this season has been summarized in a single question. The question of expectation is, what if all I was expecting for Christmas was God? What if that was it? There's a man in the Christmas story that doesn't get much mention. He doesn't get a lot of mention because he actually shows up just a few days after Jesus has actually been born. I've preached through Christmas so many years, and I have never mentioned this guy even once. I haven't ignored him on purpose. It just didn't seem to fit. But this past week, it was like he just walked out of the pages of the Bible and said, now is my time. So let's take a look this morning at the great expectations of a man by the name of Simeon. Luke chapter 2, the Bible says this. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Here's a man who's been waiting for Christmas his whole life. And God had made him a promise. Simeon, you will not move from this life into the next life in heaven before you get to see the Messiah face to face. And one day, God leads this man named Simeon into the temple courts, and he runs into a mother and a father and their small child. And it's as if God, through the Holy Spirit, nudges Simeon's heart and says, that's the one. That's the one you've been expecting and waiting for. I wonder if Simeon took that little tiny baby in his arms. I wonder if he thought in the back of his mind, this is not exactly what I expected. You know, in doing that, Simeon lived out the challenge that we're all facing this Christmas because he'd spent his whole life expecting God. And I think there's a lot we can learn about Christmas expectations from this man in this story. I've given you this morning what I called seven keys to Simeon's great Christmas expectations. Let's walk through them together. Number one is this. Simeon focused on pleasing God in all things. There are two Greek words here used to describe Simeon. It says that he is righteous and devout. The Greek word for righteous literally means equitable, fair, and right. It literally means he was just a good guy on the outside. He treated people fairly. He was a good employer. He worked well with other folks. He was an honest man who dealt with people in a very upright way. The second Greek descriptor is the word devout, 
which means serious about his relationship with God. Let me take those two Greek words and boil them down as simply as I possibly can. It means this. What was going on inside of Simeon lined up with what happened on the outside of Simeon. How Simeon dealt with the real world on the outside reflected what was going on inside of his heart. He was consistent inside and out. Now let's move to us. This coming week, you're going to be faced with all kinds of challenges. You're going to be besieged by people, schedules, family issues. Your obnoxious brother-in-law is going to show up in your house, and you're going to have to figure out how to deal with him. You're going to have to figure out how you're going to deal with the fact that your new laptop computer only came with the Chinese instructions, all right? You're going to have to figure out what you're going to do when the toys that you bought for your children are broken within an hour of them being opened. You're going to have to deal with high expectations that don't get met and low expectations that are exceeded but may not be in the way that you planned. And in every single opportunity that God lays in front of you, you're going to have to figure out whether what goes on inside of you is going to line up with what goes on on the outside of you. You're going to have a choice to make. Are you going to please you and cop an attitude or are you going to please God and do it His way? It's a simple choice and it's completely and totally up to you. And I'm facing the exact same challenges as well. Simeon focused on pleasing God in everything, regardless of the weather, regardless of the people that came to his house, regardless of who he ran into. It was all about pleasing God in all things and it's the same challenge for us. Number two, Simeon had discovered that waiting time is never wasting time in God's plan. The Bible says Simeon is waiting for something called the consolation of Israel. Let me explain that to you. It's been 400 years since the last prophet spoke. 400 years. Depending on how you line it up, five generations have gone by. And all of the promises that the prophets made about this coming Messiah have not been realized. And people are deeply, deeply disappointed. Israel has been in an unbelievably dark time. They've been waiting, but nothing has been happening. And Simeon shows up at the end of this time. He's still waiting. He's still watching. I'm sure there were a lot of people that said, that guy's nuts. You know, waiting for something. There's no Messiah coming. We've been waiting for 400 years and there's been nothing. But that doesn't stop Simeon. He keeps hoping and waiting and watching. You know, I've got a favorite question that I love to ask people when we're trying to figure out where they're at spiritually. My question tends to reveal a lot about their spiritual development. And the question is this, how do you do with waiting? And I'll just tell you the truth. I don't like waiting. I was on a little bit of a trip this past week and I had to wait a lot. I went out to my car and I had to wait for it to warm up to catch my flight at 5.40 a.m. on Monday morning. Then I had to wait as I slowly drove into Bellingham because there weren't many people on the road, but those people that were on the road were going very, very slow. Then I had to wait in line for my boarding pass. Then I had to wait in line for security. Then I had to wait in line for the guy in front of me who took three tries to figure out that you have to take out all of the coins from your pocket so the little machine doesn't go beep. Then I had to wait in line to get on the plane in the wind. Then I had to wait to find my seat. Then I had to wait as people took carry-on luggage the size of Quest Field and tried to put it inside of the overhead bin above them. Then I waited as the stewardess or the flight attendant brought me the world's smallest cup with a teeny little bit of liquid inside of it and the seven pretzels in that tiny little bag. I had to wait for that. And then I had to wait 
the entire length of the flight while I put up with a very large man who sat in the seat next to me who had a head cold, was left-handed, and enjoyed whistling all the way to Texas. I love him with the love of Jesus, and that's it, okay? <laughs> all right? When we finally landed, I couldn't wait to get off of the plane, only to wait in line at a car rental place and then wait in line at the hotel. I mean, just, we just do that, right? I don't handle waiting very well. I guess maybe that tells you where I'm at spiritually some of the time. Simeon had been waiting his entire life for this moment. Some of you have been waiting this Christmas for a very, very long time, and maybe you've been waiting for the same thing. Maybe some of you have been waiting for your phone to ring on a Christmas, hoping that your son or your daughter who hasn't talked to you in years is actually going to call this year. Some of you have been waiting for God to answer a deeply troubling question to you because maybe you have a terminal illness or maybe somebody that you love has one of those. And you've been waiting and hoping with expectancy that maybe God is going to answer and come through for you this year. And you've set your expectations high, but, but only high enough so that you don't get hurt. Some of you are waiting for all different kinds of things. Maybe it's the perfect Christmas. Maybe it's the perfect gift. And all of it just seems to swirl inside of you because you're just hoping that maybe this year God actually gets His timing right in your life. You know, I wish I had a nice, tidy answer to God's timing. I don't. I think anybody that says they figured out God's timing is lying to you. I think they're trying to stick a bumper sticker spiritual answer on the bullet hole in the middle of your soul, and I think they're wrong. I've been waiting for a long time for some things. I've been praying for 15 years that God would clear up my wife's eyesight so that she could see clearly. I'm sick of Bietti's crystalline dystrophy. We've prayed in our family for all different kinds of things, and we're always asking God, God, if now is not the time for your perfect answer, at least give us the patience and the perseverance and the character to keep on praying. I don't have a simple answer when it comes to God's timing, especially at Christmas time, but I do know that God's waiting time is never wasting time in God's plan because while we're waiting for an answer, God is working He's doing and developing perseverance in us. And Scripture promises that if we will persevere through something, that God's going to give us a gift. And the gift is something called godly character, which means we would become righteous and devout just like Simeon was. Some of you have been waiting for an answer for a really, really long time. I hope you'll be encouraged by Simeon's example today. Simeon had been waiting his entire life for the Messiah to come. That's what kept bringing him back day after day after day, thinking maybe this is the day. Here's number three. The third key is that Simeon was living off of a promise that only God could keep. Simeon knew the promised Messiah could only come from God, that God had made a promise, and that's what kept bringing him back day after day to look. He had hope. When everyone else had lost hope, Simeon still had hope because he was clinging to the promise. The promise comes out of Isaiah. It says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He clung to the promise because that was the only thing that gave him hope. 
And hope was the only thing that kept him praying. And praying was the only thing that kept sustaining him. And the sustenance came from one source. And that was the source of the Messiah. Do you see that great big circle? There's a key in there for all of us. There's number four, that Simeon was looking for the Messiah in unexpected places. I mean, think about it. Can you imagine spending your whole life looking for Christmas? Every single day. Is this going to be the father? Is this going to be the dad? Is this the child? Who's that couple over there? I've never seen them before. I mean, every single day, Simeon had this incredible expectation of wondering, maybe today is the day I'm going to find out whether or not this is God's chosen one. You see, I... Simeon was a good Jewish man. He knew all of the prophecies. He knew how the story was going to start. He knew the middle of the story. Hadn't quite figured out how that end part was going to work. That seemed a little bit dark, but he knew exactly what it was that he was looking for. Maybe today's the day. There's number five. Simeon found salvation in the revelation of Jesus Messiah. I love this new song that we've been singing because it tells us very, very clearly that if you're looking for hope, joy, peace, and love this Christmas, you're not going to find hope, joy, peace, and love in an 8-gigabyte iPod. You're not going to find it in your depleted 401k. You're not going to find it in your perfect little family gathering when everybody minds their P's and their Q's and everything ends up being just fine in your particular world. You're not going to find anything that will bring about hope, joy, peace, and love unless at the very center of it is the Messiah of Christmas and His name is Jesus Christ. That's the only place you're going to find it, my friends. I was at the mall yesterday. I saw a lot of people trying to find it in a lot of different places. You know what they found? Disappointment, traffic jams, and chaos. That's what they found. Simeon's words after he touches the baby are, My eyes have seen your salvation. That is a declaration of faith. Here's number six. We learned this key to Christmas expectations is Simeon blessed those who needed a blessing. Prosperity preachers do not like Luke chapter 2 starting at verse 34. They don't like it at all because they're the guys that will tell you if you give Jesus a buck, he'll give you a thousand back guaranteed. They're the ones that tell you that God has a wonderful plan for your life and you can purchase it for four easy payments of $19.95. You just need to go through their organization in order to make it happen. They don't like this passage because at the end of the passage, you can only come to one conclusion. Mary and Joseph were dirt poor. Jewish tradition said that young couples were cut to come and sacrifice a lamb in thanks to God for their children. However, if they were poor and they couldn't even afford a lamb, they could go with plan B, which was to sacrifice two doves. But if they had even less than that, they could go with plan C, which was to bring two young pigeons. Mary and Joseph did not have enough money for plan A. They did not have enough money for plan B. They had to go with plan C. They basically gave away pigeons for free. Less than a penny, modern equivalent. So for those of us who think that Jesus was born to incredible means, that he somehow is removed from us when we're suffering financial difficulty and just trying to make ends meet, no, no, no. The family of Jesus knows exactly what we're dealing with. Simeon sees this family. He knows that they're struggling, so he decides he's going to bless them, but he does not bless them with this. He blesses them with this and this. 
He gave them more than just money that day. He actually gave them a part of his heart and his life. Because remember, he'd been waiting for this moment his entire life. And in Luke chapter 2, verses 34 and 35, Simeon does this. The Bible says, Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. So that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Sometimes a blessing is tough truth wrapped in grace. Can you imagine being Mary and hearing this as a blessing? Can you imagine being Mary and hearing that your child is going to bring about both the falling and the rising of many in Israel? Can you imagine hearing that your child is going to be spoken against by people? I'm just an ordinary dad, but this is my perspective on this. You can say whatever you want about me. I I don't personally care, but if you talk about my kids, if you talk about my son and my daughter in a derogatory way, I will go Canadian hockey on your backside. You do not mess with Papa Bear when his cubs are being threatened. And if you think you can take me and want to go after Mama Bear in my family, be my guest. I'd pay money to watch that one. Seriously. He's going to be spoken against. Can you imagine hearing that your son is going to expose the hearts of not only the Jewish nation, but the Gentile nation, that he's going to be able to look inside of every single part and judge the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. You know, I wonder what Mary thought when Simeon said, someday a sword is going to pierce your son and you too. I wonder if when Mary heard those words, she thought back to the angel's words when the angel said, and he will save his people from their sins, because we, we can never forget, Mary is a good Jewish girl. She knows there's only one way to forgive sins in her culture, and that means blood's got to be spilt. You know, we learned something about Simeon in this moment. We learned that Simeon was not afraid to speak the whole truth, even when it's got good and bad news wrapped in the blessing. You know, there's so much application in here for us that it's hard to even know where to start. I love questions because when we answer a question or when we choose not to, it reveals a lot about what's happening inside of us. So as we sit here this morning teetering on the edge of Christmas Eve, as we get ready to move from, from the expectancy that leads up to Christmas and replace it with the reality that for unto us a Savior has been born, Let's ask some really tough Christmas questions. There's no more blanks to fill in, so you can just kind of walk through this with me and hope you realize that that I'm not asking these questions necessarily to you. I'm asking them for one guy and one guy only. Sitting right here. Question number one, am I focused on pleasing God in all things? When things go right for me and when things go wrong, will I please God? When I get the answer that I want or when I get the answer that I don't want, will I still please God by my response? Will I, will I reach out to God no matter what and please Him in all things, even when my kids are driving me crazy or the turkey gets burnt or my obnoxious brother-in-law just does what he always does every single year? In that moment, will I choose to please God? When I realize that I've been praying against snow all week and I got outprayed by a three-year-old who said, Jesus, please send snow. Will I still choose to please God in that moment? 
Knowing that I can't control my circumstances, but that I most certainly can control my response to those circumstances, will I choose to please God or please me? Simple question. Number two, have I discovered that waiting time is never wasting time? Will I continue to pray and trust and ask God for something that I've asked maybe for years, maybe even for decades? Will I continue to press through and ask God for the deep desires of my heart, even if His answer is wait? Will I open up my heart and learn that when I face trials, that God is somehow developing perseverance in me, and that if I stick with perseverance, that He's going to give me a greater gift than most human beings ever get, and that's the gift of godly character? Will I be okay waiting if that's the only thing God asks me to do this Christmas? Waiting with hope, waiting with expectancy, waiting for the Messiah to touch me. Number three, am I living off of the promises that only God can keep? Am I going to live off of promises this year or am I going to make myself one of those bitter individuals who just thinks somehow I've got it figured out, I know better than God? Let's say worst case scenario, we, none of us can come here on Christmas Eve, nothing. And that's what you've had planned. It's been a family tradition for all of these years. Are you going to get angry and bitter and think to yourself, God has no idea what he's doing because he's messing up his birthday and my plans? Are we going to press back against that kind of thing? Or are we going to hold to the promise of God that even if it's just the four of us at the fish book house gathered around the tree playing board games by candlelight, are we going to realize that God still promised that in that moment that He would never leave us or forsake us and that wherever we happen to be gathering that Jesus is still going to be in the middle of it and it's still going to be His birthday and He can celebrate it any way He wants to. Number four, do I look for Jesus in unexpected places? This Christmas, I found Jesus in Home Depot, if you were here last week, with a little girl who knew exactly what it meant to worship the King of Kings. I found Jesus at the Christ the King food bank. I found him in the commons of this church. I found him in SeaTac Airport on Thursday. I do not know if this lady gets paid or not, but there was a lady driving around with a Santa hat in a golf cart and a megaphone singing Christmas carols to a bunch of very angry people. But I found Jesus because when she started singing Silent Night, some people actually sang with her. I thought that was cool. I saw Jesus this past week watching a guy from Christ the King help a lady up the stairs in an airport just because he had a free hand. Mike Wallace, I'm proud of you. You did Jesus proud. I found Jesus in the snow and in the wind. I found him in the patience of my wife and the joy of my kids. I've even found him in the process of waiting because my life is just way too busy and hurried. Next question, have I found salvation in Jesus Messiah? I found Jesus when I gave my heart to him almost 32 years ago. I found the Messiah and a deeper salvation when I was 18 years old, when God called me out of the wreckage and ruin of my life and said, I've got a different plan. I can tell you from personal experience this morning that Jesus is my salvation because I believe I would not be alive today. 
if it wasn't for His amazing grace. He has given me forgiveness for the past and hope for the future and more than a nice warm place, more than a nice warm environment here at Christ the King, I want you to know what we would want to give you as a gift this Christmas season. Nothing but Jesus Christ and Him alone because in Him you will find hope, joy, peace, and love. There is no substitute. There is nothing better. If you're looking for those things in your heart today, we have one answer for you and one answer alone, Jesus. And He wants to know you more than we want you to know Him. Here's the next question. Have I blessed somebody who needs a blessing? Have you actually looked around this year for someone to bless? My friends, do you know how tragic it is that most of us, when we hear the word blessing, only think about this? We only see the color green. That's the only way we see blessing. I mean, I think that's ridiculous. It doesn't need to be stuff or cash. Sometimes it's a word of appreciation, a simple prayer of thanks. Sometimes it's a hug. Sometimes it's the written word of God written out on a little card and given to someone so they can know and hear from God themselves. Sometimes it's the gift of help. Sometimes it's just the gift of time. What a tragedy that in our culture we only have one definition of blessing and it somehow revolves around money. And like I said, I, I got stuck in Seattle on Thursday. I didn't know if I was getting home. There was a lot of people hanging around. The snow was coming down incredibly hard. I was calling people, trying to make arrangements. How am I going to get out of here? All the flights had been canceled. Like I'm 90 minutes away from home, right? I've been gone. I just want to go home. I want to see Laurel. I want to hug my children. I just want to go home. And I'm standing in line at the Horizon customer service desk, and the line is long, and there are people, and they are ticked. I watched one guy, there's a lady standing behind the right, he crumpled up his boarding pass and threw it and hit her right in the forehead, just bink, and said, you know, I just don't understand why I can't get out of here, as if she can make the snow stop, right? Like she's got a tap in behind the desk. I'll get right on that, sir, just a minute. There it stopped, off you go. So I'm standing in line and this lady's getting yelled at and screamed at. So it's finally my turn, right? I'm thinking, this is an awesome opportunity. So I got up there and I just stood there for a minute. And I smiled at her. I said, you know what? I think you're doing an awesome job in the midst of all this. I know you can't make the snow stop and I know you can't get me home any faster than anybody else. But I want to tell you something. I think you're doing great. And I'd like to wish you a very Merry Christmas. And she kind of looked around like, is anybody going to listen to what I'm going to say? She reached over the terminal, patted me on the hand. She goes, Merry Christmas to you too, dear. <laughs> That's awesome, right? So we just hung out there and had a conversation. People thought we were talking about flights. I knew there was no flights, so we're just talking, right? How you doing? Doing okay? Talking back and forth. She just needs somebody to bless her with a smile and a little bit of understanding. Walk through the wall, my, or through the mall, right, my friends. Walk through the wall. Yeah, I mean, you may need to do that too, right? Walk through the mall sometime if you need to find some people that could use a blessing of some kind. It doesn't need to be this. It can be your heart, your reflection of Jesus, 
in the midst of somebody else's broken life. I love the fact that Simeon just blessed them. That was his calling, and that's what he did. Last question, am I able to, com- to tell the complete truth about Jesus? You know, have you shared Jesus this year with somebody who doesn't know, them, know him? Have you shared the good news that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost? That's why Christmas happened. Have you shared the good news that there is a Savior and that He is Christ the Lord? Have you told the whole truth that someday every human being is going to give an account before the Jesus of Christmas and that we're going to have to answer? Have you told the truth that being good isn't good enough and that it's only through a personal relationship with Jesus that can bring salvation? Have you shared that God has called His people to a transformed life and not just some kind of fire insurance faith that, that, that comes and goes at our convenience I guess my greatest question is this, do you know Him? Do you know Jesus, the Jesus of Christmas? Have you accepted Him as your, perp- as your personal Lord and Savior? Have you told anybody else about that? Or are you just another one of those Christmas, uh, Christmas Christians who loves to gather around and the truth is when it comes to sharing your faith, you're guilty of something. You're guilty of having a very, very, very silent night. We have the cure to the common sin. Why would we not share that? Simeon waited his whole life for a Messiah to come. We know him. He's here. Why would we not share that with people who are desperately looking for hope, joy, peace, and love? For people that are looking for peace, why would we not introduce them to the Prince of Peace? I think one of the reasons that we struggle with this is because you can't give what you don't have. And my prayer is this Christmas, more than just knowing about Jesus, that we would truly know Jesus. That we would share the greatest gift that we have ever been given. And that all the way through this Christmas season, that our expectations would be placed in Him, in Him alone. That, my friends, is the gift of Christmas. That is worth expecting. That is what will transform this year and make it different than any other year. If we are expecting Jesus, Messiah, and Him alone. So, I don't know what the next four days has for you. I don't know what it has for me. But I know this to be true. As we wait with expectancy for the celebration of Messiah, we are consoled with a deep consolation that says, He is already here. Let's meet him. Let's meet him. Would you pray with me this morning as we close? God, I thank you for this beautiful example of a man who placed his expectations in you. I thank you for the beautiful picture of Simeon and Anna blessing 
the baby Jesus. And God, we rise up this morning on this snowy, cold day, and we call you blessed. We name you as the author, perfecter, the originator and the finality of our faith. We thank you that Jesus did not remain in a manger, but that he lived a sinless life, that he died on a cross for us to purchase our salvation and then rose triumphant over death three days later. God, we thank you that we can place all of our expectations in you because in you we will never be disappointed. God, would you bless my brothers and sisters who've come here today, may the Prince of Peace grant them the peace that they desire as we expectantly wait for the celebration of the birth of a Savior who's already here. God, would you help our inside to line up with our outside? Would you give us eyes to see someone who needs to be blessed? And may you use us this week to transform Christmas in Whatcom County. And we will give you all of the praise and all of the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.